0: Welcome to KathleenWhitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. So, I got really excited about this because we're taking a detour from John. And I want to start with what the Holy Spirit just gave me this morning. And um, if I could title this, it would be Two Investments. But... Just start with this. Um, Imagine that I gave each of you a million dollars and then told you about two investments. So you have a million dollars. That's a lot of money. And then I said, You can choose between these two investments. One would bring amazing dividends, continue to exponentially increase in value, bless your entire family bless others, and even allow you to be a world changer. That's the first investment. The second investment will profit you nothing. And it doesn't hold what you have invested, but rapidly drains your account to zero. By the way, it's also a default decision. In other words, if you don't decide which one to invest in, you'll automatically be invested in number two. So here's the deal two investments it's so clear to us it's a silly silly almost ridiculous um image to think that any one of us with half of a brain would take a million dollars and invest it in number two that's not going to profit us that's going to drain us that's going to um not bless our family that's going to not increase at all it's 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 obvious the, that we would go to number one and, and want the blessings and the dividends and the exponential increase in value. We know that. And so I want you to clearly think about that as we go through this because here's God's investment plan. And what's hilarious about this is I am not a business person <laughs> whatsoever. And so even the word investment is a little bit foreign to me. I thought, God, are you sure you want me to sit? teach about investing but you know what i know a little something about investing in the lord i know a little something about investing in the word and the dividends that come from that investment your investment in your christianity your investment in god the exponential dividends so we're going to look at this here's god's investment plan john six sixty three says it is the the spirit that quickens The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. And I'm going to read it again. It is the spirit that quickens. That means makes alive. The flesh profits nothing, which really means takes away. Have you ever thought about that? The flesh actually takes away. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. I want us to just look at that. John six sixty three. You know, we're not in John 6 right now. We're in like John. Where are we? I don't even know where we are. But we're somewhere in John. But we're not in 6. And, and God just did this total detour diversion and said, I, I want my people to understand that they are investing daily, minute by minute, really, in two different investments and it's their decision, and one is going to be exponentially a blessing to them, and the other is going to be draining and um, not good for them. And so we need to be aware of that. Two investments. Number one investment. If we look at John six sixty three, and we said, what is the investment? Some of us might want to say, well, um, the investment is the spirit. No, it is the words that god speaks unto you the first investment if we look at john 663 is the word that god speaks unto you because it says in john 663 it's the spirit that quickens the flesh profits nothing the words i speak unto you are spirit and life so the result of the words that are spoken unto us are spirit and life so the first investment that we can choose to invest our lives in is in the words that God speaks unto us. And that's why, you know, you, 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 you can't hear the word enough. You can't read the word enough. You can't be around enough people encouraging you to live like Jesus because it will only increase. And I can promise you You get out of the word, you get away from people who are encouraging you in your Christian walk and get in with people who are not walking in that direction. And you stop listening to praise music, you stop praying, you stop reading the Bible. And I promise your life, things will be taken away, not by God, but by simply poor investment, investing not in god's word but investing in the flesh and that would be number two we have two choices two choices two investments the words that god speaks unto you i wanted to read first before we get into investment number two just looking at this awesome investment that god says will bring spirit and life i mean (laughs) if anybody said i have a little pill that will bring the holy spirit and fullness of life and the life of god and you can just take it anytime during the day would you not and god is saying my word will bring you spirit and life my word is alive it quickens it makes alive it restores it even it does what nothing else can do And it does what we don't even know it's doing. We have no idea. Um, It's miraculous. So the word that God speaks unto us, that investment gives us spirit, which is interpreted in the Greek, God's breath, the Holy Spirit. And life, which is interpreted in the Greek, fullness of life, the life of God. And so reading God's word, hearing God's word, doing God's word is investing in the spirit. Reading, hearing, and then hear this really clearly, doing. Reading, hearing, talking about, being with, all of that stuff. But the most important thing that I just said there is doing, doing. Do you know how many people (laughs) read and hear sermons, read and hear the Bible, never miss a church service? But if you don't put it into practice, if you don't do it, you're not investing in the Word. You invest in the Word as you do the Word. That's how you choose that investment. You're investing in the Word of God as you do the Word. James 1.22 says, But prove yourselves doers of the Word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he had looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgot what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it. That means lives in it, does it, does the word, lives by the word, makes the word the final authority, like Okay, my opinion doesn't even matter. This is what the word says. I mean, just making that decision and living like that. The one who abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. All of us have been forgetful hearers. All of us. But I want to wake us up, all of us, anyone listening to this in any country... (laughs) of the world who wants to follow jesus christ i want to awaken us to the investment that god has shown that we have that will bring such prosperity to us and to others and to the world and so um, what do we do to follow jesus we have to be doers of the word is it easier just to hear something and go gosh that was just a really sweet little sermon and then go to lunch and just, you know, criticize your friends and, you know, be impatient with your husband or, or wife and um, complain about the fact that you have to go back and clean the house or complain about the fact that you have a lot to do at work. And, you know, we, we were we are looking in the mirror. Did you know this? This is what God keeps reminding me is. When I don't know what's wrong (laughs) with me, or I don't know why I've got, like, static, and I stop and pray, and I still don't know why, if I open the Word, the Word is the mirror. It's my mirror. I'm supposed to look in the mirror of the Word and see me, because Jesus lives in me, and the more I abide in His Word, and the more... I become like christ the more i look like the word and so i'll start to think um okay the word says and, and we're i'm kind of skipping around just a little bit but in the fruit of the spirit you know love patience um kindness joy wait joy i'm not having any joy what's the deal why am i not because i'm rushing through the day is the day even worth it if you got your whole list checked off and you had no joy? Seriously, I am now at a such a mature place. <laughs> I'm joking. but I, you know, you have these revelations, and it's like I've started to realize that there are a lot of things that can wait until tomorrow. Not only that, there are a lot of things that can wait forever, you know? Like, I, forever. They're just forever. Like the sprayer on my bathtub. I, I take large baths, and it helps my back. And then I have a sprayer to rinse out my hair. It's broken. It's been broken for a long time. I've asked Lacey to order a new one. He did. The plumber put it in, and then it was had a default. So now we need to go through the company, reorder, get the right number, talk to the people try to get reimbursed i now have just come to this peaceful place that i don't have a sprayer i may never have a sprayer i am fine with that are you okay with your yard can you be joyful even though there's some things to do can you be joyful even though god's still working in your marriage can you be joyful even though god is still working in your finances See, it's not even worth it to me. I used to have, well, actually I still do. It's on my computer. But it's like a list of like everything I need to do, everything I aspire to do. And then there's an even longer list of everything Lacey needs to do. And, um, you know, then I eliminate when the thing has been done. I can promise you that there are at least 40 items on this list that have been on the list for 20 years or more. And and it's, it has not hurt me. It, I'm fine. Sometimes we lose our joy. We need to look in the Word and go, "What am I supposed to be? I'm supposed to be joyful. That's the fruit of the spirit. Am I even choosing to invest in the Word today by living in joy? Or am am I choosing to invest in the flesh today? I just complaining and murmuring and finding everything wrong with everything. And instead of seeing the beautiful flowers, seeing, you know, the spilled water. Instead of seeing, you know, the great painting, seeing, you know, dirt on the floor. And we need to stop and and look at at, at the word like a mirror. Um, We need to be doers of the word. Um, Someone said something hurtful and, and ignorant about spinal and nerve pain that I deal with as a result of the fused immobile spine and, and the botched surgery and the wear and tear because my spine doesn't move so there's a lot of wear and tear on my neck, which God is restoring. But I just wanted to say that it was yesterday. And they just made a very hurtful, ignorant comment. They don't have any pain. It did not need a response. It truly did not even need a response. Um, In the past, I I really have a quick tongue. I mean, mm -hmm, yeah. And I have learned to be quiet because you know what? I can always say something later, but I can't take back something I've already said. Isn't that wise? That's so smart. That's so obvious, you know? So anyway, this person said something very ignorant um, and hurtful, and I didn't say anything. Now, I could have said something very quickly like, okay, thank you for that Um, observation, although you don't have any pain and have no idea what has actually been done to my back and um, have no idea what you're talking about, but thank you. I could have made them feel small. I could have, but I was quiet because that's that's doing the word. When Jesus was insulted, he was quiet. I mean, when he was on the way to the cross and he was being the most insulted and they're ripping out his beard and they're shouting insults at him and spitting at him, he said not a word. He was quiet. And in doing the word, it doesn't mean that you never, ever take up for yourself. It just means that that situation didn't even warrant a response. And then what I decided to do was forgive on the spot. And there's only one way to forgive on the spot. And for some reason, I just love that forgive on the spot. I just want to have a bumper sticker that says forgive on the spot. I like that. I like the thought of that forgive on the spot. And if every Christian did that, oh, my goodness, we'd all be so much happier. Just forgive on the spot. But this is the way to do it. I said nothing, I didn't think about it, and I didn't tell anyone. That's how you forgive on the spot. You don't think about it. I didn't dwell on it. Didn't tell anyone till used it as an example. And I don't have any feeling toward it or toward that person. I'm just using it as an example so that we can learn. So that's investing in the spirit and truth. That's investing in God's word it brings us life breath spirit truth and multiplies and exponentially blesses our lives in every way body soul and spirit in every single way and everything that we need so that's our first choice or God gives us a choice of we can invest in the flesh which is man's way not relying on God, relying on self only, which is pride. And in, in man's way, might say, you know, there's a situation that I'm not just, I'm not, I'm not going to just forgive her right away. I don't know if any of y'all have ever done that. Like, I'll forgive her later, but not now. I'm not going to forgive her right away. And then later I will forgive her, but not now. Now I'm mad. Well, that is such a silly thing to do, for, for one thing, because it only hurts you. You've got that acid of of unforgiveness that's churning in you. But it reminds me of like <laughs> going and, and I go on these walks every, about every other day. And I take both my dogs so I don't have a hand free. And I got a rock in one of my shoes. And I just kept walking. I just finished the walk with the rock. By the end of the walk, I was limping. And then I had a big blister at the bottom of my foot. That's just like when we decide not to forgive. It's like walking with a rock in your shoe. Just take the time to sit down, to undo your shoelace, get the rock out. Take the time to pray to God. If you need help with another person to pray with, call someone else to pray with. But make sure it's not just to get them to side with you. And then get that rock out and decide to forgive on the spot. You know, it's interesting. We are to walk the Christian walk. But it messes up our walk anytime we have a rock in our shoe. Anytime we have unforgiveness. Anytime We're investing in the flesh in any way. We are going to have our walk messed up. Another thing that is investing in the flesh is worry. Oh, my goodness gracious. How many people do you know say they love Jesus? Say they know Jesus. I know that they do. I know that, that he loves them, but they worry all the time about everything. Worry. How do we know that we're not supposed to worry and that it's an investment in the flesh? Because Jesus commands us not to worry. You know, that's the other thing I want to share is it's not just permission not to worry. He says, don't worry. And I'm going to look at just a few verses with y'all. Luke 12, 22. Do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor your body as to what you will put on. Matthew 6, 31. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat, drink, drink? Where? And then I added, like, do, decide, go, what. Matthew 6:34, "So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself." Matthew 10:19, don't worry about how or what you're to say, for it will be given to you in the hour that you are to say." Matthew 13:22, and the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns. This is the man who hears the word. And worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. This is what worry does. It actually steals what you've already invested. Like you can invest time in a Bible study. You can invest time in the word and this says... You can choose to invest in God's word. You're making the right decisions. But as soon as you start to worry, it snatches away. It takes away. It's like the seed never gets really into great soil because there's thorns. Worries are like thorns. This man... Here's the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. So he hears the word investing in the spirit, but the worry of the world chokes out the word, which is investing in the flesh. And then you delude yourself. And I'm going to I'm going to just expound a little bit more on that. God told us that if we are Christians, we're to be hearers, readers, students, followers of God's word. But if you don't do what he says, we're going back to the doing because that's how we choose to invest. It's kind of like how, to, how do you how do you invest your money? How do you invest your time? How do you invest your brain? You know, you have all day to think about things. What do you do with your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're told actually to think on those things that are good and noble and of good report. But look at this. This is so interesting. God told us that if you're a Christian, you're to be a hearer, a reader, a student, a follower, a disciple, a lover of God. But if you don't do what he says, then you delude yourself. James 1.22. In the Greek, delude means to miscalculate, to reason falsely. Okay, does it, it's basically saying if you get in front of the Word and you start taking in the Word and you don't do the Word, you're lying to yourself. And if you're lying to yourself, it starts to be pretty hard to even love yourself because you're so confused. You don't like what you're doing, but you know you should be doing something else, but you're doing what you shouldn't be doing because that's the way you were taught to do it and you're... Mother always worried, and she paced and worried and talked and talked and worried. And so you have to continue doing that. It's not a choice. It's a family heritage. No, wrong. That's where Jesus died for us to be free from all the junk we were taught when we were little. And all the things that the world taught us to do. You know, the world says reason it out, and God says pray it out. The world says, worry, worry, worry until you find a solution. God says, pray and trust me because I am the solution. It's so different. So realizing in your spirit that you're deluding yourself, I think would cause other problems, more flesh problems, confusion, lack of sleep, more worry, even self-hatred. And I say that because, When we are mature Christians in the sense of knowing more and more and more and more what the word says. And we have a big chasm. Then. And and that we're not. We're so far away from really doing what we know to do. Then we will really not only delude ourselves and know we're self deluded, but. I think that that person would not like themselves. They would have trouble loving themselves and therefore have trouble loving others. uh, Sometimes I hear people say, I'm just so mad at everybody else, but it's because I'm the most mad at me. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a good way of life. I think um, I'm being sarcastical, of course. I mean, but they think that way. They're like, I'm the most critical of me. And so I'm also very critical of everyone else. Okay, well, you're deluded because a criticism and judging other people is not the way that we're supposed to walk on this earth. We're supposed to love other people and help them and pray for them. And when we make a mistake, ask for forgiveness and ask for forgiveness of ourselves and walk the Christian walk. So what do you do? When you have a big decision. This is what God just started putting in my heart this morning. I don't know what big decision you have. I don't even know if you have a big decision. But what do you do when you have a big decision to make and you don't know what to do? Okay? Think about a big decision that you have to make and you don't know what to do. You really don't know what to do. And it could be monetary. It could be relational. It could be... So many things. It could be what to buy or what to do or where to go or what to say or how to do. And so we just want to first decide that we're going to make that decision in faith and not fear. That's number one. You got to stop and go, am I making this decision out of faith or fear? And all you have to do is talk to yourself to find out. Because you'll say things like, I'm going to do this because I'm afraid that if I don't, blah, 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 blah. That's a decision made out of fear. Or you say, I'm going to do this because I've been praying about it and I have God's peace. I feel just a smooth road and, and I know he's with me and I know this is the right thing to do. That is a decision made in faith. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, that, that may not seem clear to us. But at the very least, don't make a decision out of fear. You know? At the very least. Because that will always end up in a bad place. And then number two, give the decision. And then God had me write mess, confusion. Because lots of times our decisions become such a mess and such confusion. Because we've worried about them for so long. So, give the decision to God, and then be obedient. Just give it to Him, like all of it. And I love the way the Amplified Bible talks about Proverbs sixteen three because I love the way they've translated um, in the in the Hebrew what that word is. Really, you know, you you may read, "Give your works unto the Lord," but That Hebrew word, give, that really means roll. In other words, don't sort it out. Don't try to figure it out. Don't hand it to him in a nice little bundle. Just roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. And he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. Just roll it all on him. So when we have a big decision to make, we're going to make it in faith, and then we're going to give the deal to God. We're going to just say, God, I I want to commit this thing to you, and I want to be obedient to you. I want to just read a few more um, scriptures in Proverbs because these are just so good. And again, I don't know why God has pulling us in this direction. I don't know if it's for one person or for a thousand people. I just know that this is what he wants. And it, it's like a perfect little outline of how to invest in either the flesh or in this, the word. And when we invest in the word, we have the spirit and the life. we invest in the flesh. We have rot. You know, we end up with death. The end result is death. And we'll read that in a minute. The plans of the mind and orderly thinking belong to man, but the Lord comes, the wise answer of the tongue. Proverbs 16, 2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts, and intents of the heart. Proverbs 16, 16. By mercy and love, truth and fidelity to God and man, not by sacrificial offerings, inequity is purged out of the heart and by the reverent worshipful Fear of the Lord men depart from and avoid evil. I love this next one. I keep it as a promise, you know, I really do. When a man's ways please the Lord, I'm reading Proverbs sixteen seven. When a man's ways please the Lord, he, the Lord, makes even his enemies be at peace with him. You know? It's so that's just so great. And I love that. Proverbs 16.8 is huge. And, and this is kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about our day or talking about our lives. Better is a little with righteousness, uprightness in every area and relation and right standing with God than great revenues with injustice. Why? Because you're searing your conscience if you do great revenues with injustice you may have tons of money, but only God can give you the ability to enjoy what you have. Isn't that even something to thank God for? Sometimes I stop and thank God, and I'm, I don't know how to put it into words, but it's like, thank you, God, for giving me the ability to enjoy what you've given me. Because that is even from God. We think that comes from us. That does not come from us. That comes from him. And if you don't have it, you can ask for it. But start investing in his word and it'll come. A man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps and makes them sure. I know these are a lot of Proverbs, but we're going to get through them because they're so, so, so important. Proverbs sixteen sixteen. How much better is it to get skillful and godly wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Now, that's not man's inclination. Man's inclination is to go for the gold and go for the silver and not necessarily to go for the wisdom. But we need to realize that it—it just the contentness of knowing that you're doing the right thing or living God's way is better than all the riches in the world. Proverbs 16:17: "The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. He who guards his way preserves his life." Proverbs 16:8. and I'm reading a lot of these because they pertain to what we're looking at, and they also pertain a lot to um, investing in the flesh, looking at the investment in the spirit and what it brings and the investment in the flesh and what it brings. Here's a, here's a flesh in, investment right here. And we already said worry is pride, okay? Because it's saying, I am in control of this. I need to make this decision. I am needing to do this. I am worried about this. I am going to do it. I, 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 I. What about God? So pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs sixteen nineteen. better is to be of a humble spirit with meek and poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. And I want to read this because this, this is a really big deal. Um, I was looking at these Proverbs and they were really all speaking to me. And I thought, golly God, you know, to, to do a talk and to start just reading all these Proverbs, I don't want to lose people on, on too much word, but we can't have too much word. Sometimes we just need to know, wow, God said that? Because sometimes it gives us permission to release some stupid thing we've been doing. I did not know that worry actually made thorns in the garden of my heart so that I could not even receive the word that I've been planting in it. No one does that. No farmer does that. No farmer goes and plants weeds and seeds. Of flowers together they plant what is going to be a good harvest and they don't want thorns to choke out their seeds and so this is just so it's so um practical and that's what i love about the word it's so practical Proverbs sixteen twenty. he who deals wisely and heeds God's word and counsel shall find good. And whoever leans on trust in and is confident in the Lord will be happy, blessed and fortunate as he. Wow. I love that. I, 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 I love to say even out loud, I lean on, I trust in and I'm confident in you, Lord. I lean on, I trust in and I'm confident in you, Lord. You know, my kids make fun of one of my prayers because sometimes when I don't know what to pray around the kitchen table, because it'll end up like, who's going to pray? And they'll be like, I did, I did, I did. Oh, I'm so tired. And then be like, Mom, you pray. And one of my favorite prayers is, Lord Jesus, thank you for everything. Put this family at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. I mean, I'm just saying I just want God's will. So, I mean, look at these and, 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 and underline these and write these down because you want to be able to bow your head in your car. Sometimes when you're having some kind of a panic attack or if you're completely confused about an issue or if you're all worried and strung out over some decision, you need to be able to say, S- I stopped. I humble myself before you, God. I am not God. You are God. And I lean on, I trust in, I rely on you. That's so good. And it's by practice. It's by doing it. And so often, our little feet follow our mouths. (laughs) So by saying it, we start doing it. I lean on and I trust and I have confidence in God. I can't tell you how much, I mean, it would be hilarious if, if we were on reality TV at our home. Not only because our our family is hilarious, but because of the fact that I talk to myself so much, you know. And I, I, I know that that might sound funny, but what I say to myself out loud, you know, I learned in Romans, what is it? Ten nineteen, that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So I'll speak the word, just through the house and over the house, and I'll go in my teenager's room, and something will worry me, and I'll stop right there and speak the word. Um, and I'm not like Miss Holy House Cleaner, you know, going around singing the Hallelujah chorus. I'm just saying that during the day, what do you say to yourself? Because You may think you don't talk to yourself. It may not be out loud, but you talk to yourself all day long. What do you say? Are you saying what God's saying or are you saying what you're thinking? Are you saying what God's saying? or Are you saying what Fox News is saying? Are you saying what God's saying? If you're not saying what God's saying, then you're not investing in his word. And investing in his word has those incredible results. So it's kind of like now that I look at it, why would I ever invest in the flesh? This is what I think is such a big deal. Proverbs 16.23, the mind of the wise, I've never noticed this before, instructs his mouth and adds learning and persuasiveness to his lips. Pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the mind, and healing to the body. Now listen to this. The mind of the wise, how do we become wise? By investing in the word. The mind of the wise, what really does instruct your tongue? Can, can your tongue do anything without your mind telling it to? Can your body do anything without you thinking it first? Everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a purposeful movement. And this is saying what I'd never really picked up in the word before, that the mind of the wise, those who have invested in the word, that that mind that's been not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is. Romans 12 2. that transformed mind instructs the tongue. And now I know why, over the last several years, when I'm about to say something, my mind will go, mm uh uh-uh. uh And I know it's it's also the Holy Spirit, but it's also what I've put in there. It's my mind will go, mm uh uh-uh. uh no, you don't need the last word. And then sometimes my flesh will say, I absolutely need the last word, because I'm right. And then sometimes then the wisdom which is the holy spirit in me will just say no just say it's okay um we'll just agree to disagree and i love you and whatever would bring peace no that is ridiculous because i have some, i have a real, i have another really good point i haven't even said it yet you know and we can fight with ourselves. And it's really cool when you've invested enough and done enough of the word to where it's not even a fight. It's not even a fight. I mean, there are, I, I have my challenges. Everyone has their challenges. But I want to say one of my challenges, I used to always have to be right. Not necessarily amongst others, but in our family. And so... I would just pretty much not let go of something like a pit bull and until the person would see my point, even if they couldn't understand, which they should understand because I'm right. And it's really funny because that's not, I don't have that anymore. I don't even have a struggle for that. As a matter of fact, Maddie has even made comments like, Mom, you need to go and put dad in his place, what he just said. And, you know, just you you need to, you don't need to take that. And it's, he's not mean, he's not being ugly. He may just be exhausted or coming home from work or say something that could be taken different ways. And I said, Maddie, you know, I love peace. (sighs) There's no point. I mean, there's no point. I want to invest in the kingdom of God. And so... When he comes back in this room, Lord, Jesus, help me love that man and not, you know, do something passive aggressive because women know how to do that, too. So, but this is what is so cool. The wise, the mind of the wise instructs his mouth and adds learning and persuasiveness to his lips. So if you've ever wondered, you know, how can I start to say the right thing? It's when you start thinking the right thing. You know you're not going to start doing the right thing until you start thinking the right thing. Do you know that? If you think about how mad you are at someone and how um, ridiculous that person is and how many faults they have, then when you get around them on Thanksgiving, you're not going to be real loving to them because you've been thinking those things. We have to take our minds and invest in the word. Invest in the word. Proverbs sixteen twenty five is pretty powerful scripture. And, and you know what? Let me back up. Let me back up just a little bit that, that I didn't see before. I'm, an, I'm sorry. The mind of the wise instructs his mouth and adds learning and persuasiveness to his lips. Pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the mind, and healing to the body. I had never seen that before. And there's probably all of us that need some healing in our body or healing in our mind. And this says that we would have the mind of God when we're transforming our mind. It'll be sweet to our own minds. In other words, peace like honey, like just like a warm blanket, like peace in your mind. And also healing to your body. Because sometimes when we get all worked up, our minds start to go really, really, really fast. And, you know, it's like the gerbil on the gerbil wheel. And then our trapezoids, which are the top of our shoulders, get really tight. And then we realize that... and, and, And so this is saying... You know, what you think is what you're going to say and what you say is going to affect your own mind and your body. He who is slow to anger, I love this proverb, is better than the mighty. He who rules his own spirit than he who takes his city. In other words, the person who can actually control and rule their own spirit and withhold their anger and be mature and love when they don't want to love and stop when God says stop and go when God says go is more valuable, more valued than a man who can take a whole city. In other words, the Bible said, you know, it's like easier to take a whole city down sometimes than to just get that control but that's what god promises us jesus promises us that we can have that peace that surpasses all understanding but he also says that we are to guard our hearts and minds in christ jesus so it's 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 like we have promises but we have things we have to do also okay you got homework First time ever. I know you're alarmed, shocked. You're sweating. You're nervous. You're looking ahead. Um, you've lost eye contact. I want you to make a chart with two columns. Okay? One is going to be spirit, life, God's Word. And if you kind of can't think or remember what that is, that's like forgiveness, prayer, patience, love. So you've got two columns down a piece of paper. One is spirit, life, God's word. The other one, which is our other investment choice, is the flesh. And I just put a couple of examples in case you kind of think, what's the flesh? Entitlement and patience, saying negative things about others, critical spirit, worry, self-condemnation. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Okay? Gauge what, each, gauge what goes in each category by reviewing the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians and God's definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13. So when you're going throughout your day... Um, I, and just, you know, just do it for a week and you don't have to do it all the time. But just when you think of something that just happened or that, um, just came to be or that you just did, let just, just put it in a category. Is this God's word and spirit and life or is this flesh and see where am I investing? Because God has given us more than a million dollars. He's given us our lives he's given us these years on on earth and we all have the same amount of time in the day isn't it amazing how people invest their time wisely and unwisely but it's also even more amazing how you invest your time whether it be in god's word the kingdom or in the flesh so you're going to use galatians 5 and god's Definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13 as your barometer and as your gauge as to what is flesh and what is of the spirit. And before we close, I'm just going to read Galatians 5.22 because we need to kind of get a good picture of what we should be. Having as the fruit of our life everywhere we go It says the fruit of the spirit Which is the holy spirit within us. that's changed us to be more like the word more like jesus the fruit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control. And if you look at any of those and go, I don't have self-control. I mean, I, I don't have self-control. Then we need to ask God. God, instead of saying, well, I don't, I don't have self-control. My mother didn't have self-control. Her father didn't have self-control. My brother didn't have self-control. No, it's just, it's hereditary. No self-control. I mean, seriously, people will sit around and say things like that. Like, we're all Irish, we're angry all the time, we get over it, it's fine. You know, we're Italian, we eat a lot, we talk at each other, all, everyone talks at the same time. There's no, you know, patience with one another. Uh, but that's okay, because I'm Irish, I'm, an, I'm Italian. That's it's crazy. You are a Christian. And so, if you don't have self-control, instead of self-condemnation... Which is like, oh my gosh, I don't have it, I don't have it. Start praying for it. And start doing it. And start saying it. Start saying, you know, before your spouse even gets home, start saying, I want the words on my mouth to be like, honeycomb. I want them to be healing to me and to my mind and to him and to his mind. And I don't want to stir something up in him. Sometimes we even get little habits of of stirring up our spouses. I have a spouse who's so laid back that when we first married, I would, like, really almost try to stir him up because I, w- I just needed a little bit of, like, interaction and excitement. I mean, I'm not saying he's boring. I'm just saying he's so even keel, you know? So I'd be like, oh, my gosh, Lacey. And he'd be like, Really? And, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, it's silly how we all go through these different stages. So that's what we're looking for. The fruit of the Spirit. Do you have love? Do you have joy, peace, patience, kindness? Kindness can be a big one for some Christians. Have you ever met a mean Christian? I've never met any meaner than some Christians. Really, I promise you. Because it's like the, the judgment... And the holier than thou, plus the meanness. And that should not be. We shouldn't have people who don't even know about the Lord and don't even know that they're loved by God and who worship ahead of lettuce and live at Whole Foods. be kinder than Christians. Seriously, that's embarrassing, but it's true. It's true. So kindness is huge for some of us. And we can't just say, well, I just lose my patience with people. Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. We have to have patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost. Thousands of people in 40 countries download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you were able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive.